welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. Happy New Year, almost. That's right. Happy New Year, almost. Uh, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think when I should... This might go up early. Okay. Or maybe, you know what? I might just put it up late. Okay. People are busy anyway. That's true. It might already be 2024 by the time I post this. Okay. Well, then, Happy New Year for real. Happy New Year for real. Maybe. <laughs> so, um... Look, I got a lot of plans. I'm a happening guy about town, you know? Yeah. It's the holiday season, as Frank Sinatra said. Is that who... It's the holiday season. Is that Sinatra? I can't remember who that is. Maybe it's Dean Martin. I don't know. I mean, um, I could see it being like... Like, all those guys recorded everything. Right, yeah. You know? Um... Yeah, that's the one where it goes, so whoop-dee-doo, and Dickory Doc, <laughs> yeah. and it's just like, whoop-dee-doo, and also Dickory Doc, it's not a thing people say. Yeah, but that is, like, uh, um, very Frank Sinatra to, like, oh, for sure. um, throw things in the air, uh, I think I mentioned on a recent episode, or maybe a couple of recent episodes, that I watched through this, like, DVD box set of, like, Mel Brooks TV appearances, yeah. And he did his impression of, like, um, Sinatra doing Springtime for Hitler. And he did throw a bunch of, like, skibbity doos in there and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one, like, let's see, what do you do, Dickory Doc? And don't forget to hang up your sock. Yeah. And it's like, so you couldn't, you couldn't rhyme anything with sock. Like, that's, you had to come up with nonsense. All right, fair enough. Um... Well, well, that also reminds me of, um, because it's the holiday season, uh, there's been a lot of, I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music, I, yeah. I enjoy, I went through a period of, like, being too cool for Christmas, but for the yeah. past, like, 10, 12 years, like, yeah. love it, I love Christmas. Uh, so I've been listening to a lot of Christmas music, and every time I listen to It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas, I think of you, because when Perry Como says, Mom and Dad can hardly wait for school to start again. Yeah, that's right. You, you always, like, got mad at that line. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> fuck you. We're, like, we're having fun as a family. Yeah. It's like, don't speak for me. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and uh, so speaking of Christmas, um, I've got a story for you, David. Oh, okay. And that story will lead into what I want to talk about at the top here. Okay, okay. And so it's probably... I want to say it was probably five years ago, and I was teaching um, high schoolers getting college credit. And uh, and it was like, I think it was the last, maybe second to last class of the fall semester, so it was into December. So, you know, people are talking about Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the kids said, like, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And I said, eh, it's hard to choose, but probably Charlie Brown Christmas. And also, like, I don't know why I feel guilty when I say Muppet Christmas Carol, but I love it. Um, so, uh, and then a guy, like, raised his hand, and he goes, oh, he goes, I have a question for you. And you could just tell on his face. And I was like, are you about to ask me if Die Hard's a Christian, is a Christmas movie? And he's like, yeah, how'd you know? It's like, because everybody talks about that. And this was fucking... Five, like yeah. four or five years ago, yeah. I'm done with this thing. I'm fucking yeah. done with it. Everybody yeah, yeah, talks well. about it like it's some new thing. Like I don't like their, I don't like the idea of there being this like perennial debate, especially because everyone seems to treat it like it's the first time anybody thought of it. 
and it's but I think, just I mean, exhausting. Now, right now, you're part of the problem because you're bringing it up again. We've talked about this in Christmas's past. I you know, know, but it's but that's the thing is like everyone just keeps talking about and, it. Like, and I'm saying, like on the Facebook, solution is to it's just ignore it. Just ignore it. I don't know, man. I think there's just something about like every Christmas I see it like at least eight or nine times. And, and everyone's like, all right, guys, let's settle this. It's like, you're not settling shit, all right? Yeah. You're going to do the same shit the next year. Like, I'm part of, like, a, like a dad's Facebook group. And so God. there is a, which I use. <laughs> which actually, Oh, I find it very helpful. Okay. Like, people throw out, like, hey, what are you guys going to tell your kids about Santa Claus? And it's like, and the kids are, my kids are getting okay. to that age where it's like, yeah, what are we going to do about Santa Claus? Um, do they share like dad jokes? Because that that I would love. I would love. It's rare, but yes. Do you know there's a movie that premiered at um, at Toronto this year called How to Have Sex that is not about dads at all, but it has there's a part where two characters are drunkenly telling corny jokes to each other and has one of my favorite dad jokes that I've ever heard, uh, what do you which got? is that um, we're getting rid of our vacuum cleaner. It's just been collecting dust. <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Um, but yeah, so like, so recent, yeah, so one guy said like, so guys, what do you think? Is Die Hard a, a Christmas movie? And I just, and I wanted to type like, enough. Stop it. But I'm saying we don't need this anymore. You're feeding, you're giving oxygen to the fire right now. Let's no, just ignore like, it. Let's just move on. I feel like if I gave oxygen, like the way to give oxygen to the fire is to take a stand one way or the other and be really like final about it. Like if you ain't like it's the idea of like, like no answering the question one way or another is what gives it, gives it the fire is what feeds the fire. But like, if you just say, this is a question that should no longer be asked. Um, but we lost that battle. I know. I just don't get it. Like, is, I can't be the only one that's, like, tired of this. You're not. That's why I don't... I don't see anybody else saying this. Because and I they're doing like, what I'm doing and just, like, letting it happen over there. So you're saying <laughs> there's, like... staying out of it. Like a silent majority. Yeah, I think a silent majority... Okay. ...have decided how they feel about it. Like you said, yeah, I'm not gonna... I've said on this podcast my feelings on it before. We're not gonna give it fire. Yeah. Any, or give the fire any oxygen this year... Um, yeah, I, it just, like, I don't know why I'm so angry, but I am, I'm so angry and like, there's so many other things in the world to be angry about. And yet somehow this just keeps, keeps getting me. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry, everybody to waste your time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Everyone who's listening to this has probably already come to a decision about it. Hopefully just, uh. Kept it to themselves. Don't yeah. care. Don't care anymore. Yeah. Uh, oh, right. uh, I don't remember what her last name is now, but my friend uh, Jennifer Freeman, who you know from Bus Stop. Yeah. One of the actors. Oh, I see. Yeah. No, never mind. She, uh, I'm, I was very confused by what you said. Oh, yeah, because she got married. I don't remember her last yeah, name now. But I, I want to say it's like Hornbeck or something. Um, this is a dumb, like... Now that they didn't change her name, we got married, and I still, like, forget that people, like, I, I still forget that people do, I guess. Yeah. But, like, I remember asking, um, yeah, I asked Frank 
Feel My Wrath McGrath. Yeah. For some reason, I can't remember if I was, like, trying to, like, tag her on Instagram or something. And I was, and I was like, what's your wife's last name again? And he was like, McGrath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's something that almost everyone we know has done. But nonetheless, uh, she, so she and I, um, uh, went to high school together in our senior year. We were in, uh, uh The Lion in Winter. Uh-huh. And so she posted a photo on my wall of uh, a still from the movie of Peter O'Toole and Kat and Catherine Hepburn laughing. And it says, that, and like the, the thing said at the bottom, like, it's like something to the degree of, it's like, and they think Die Hard is an edgy Christmas movie. And because like it does take place at Christmas. Yeah. And it's like, it's so dysfunctional. Yeah. Um, but I think we just don't need to have any debates anymore. Dyer's a Christmas movie if you want it to be. Alignment exactly. is a Christmas movie if you want it to be. Yeah. Tangerine's a Christmas movie if you want it to be. Eyes Wide Shut is a Christmas movie if you want it to sure. be. Sure. All of these, it's fine. Yeah. Iron there's Man no, 3. No one's making these rules. Yeah. Someone, yeah, uh, actually on Christmas today, we went to, look, we always do, went to a bar with friends on Christmas Day, and someone was saying a long kiss goodnight should be, sure. at, like, it's yeah, all, Shane, all Shane Black movies. Shane Black, yeah. It's Christmas kiss, and everything. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah. 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 Um, okay, sorry. From my own, I understand. I've still never seen this one. Me neither. I know. Mike Schmidt will be so mad at us. I know. It's been I like 10 years. Like, let's just seen it. Let's plant our flag on that. We're never watching Lethal Weapon. Um, yeah. I, mean, so. I don't know. Um, but we can move on. Sorry, everybody. Well, you know what? Uh, I'll, I'll do my top of show thing to, okay. to put the damper on the... Uh, the fire um, and this will be multi-part the first thing is our friend Jordan over at the film stage mm-hmm. uh, said in his write-up of the his 10 best films of 2023 that 2023 is the best movie year since 2007 um, I would say that like while I say that I think 2011 and 2016 were both really good years they get overlooked there's no denying to me that 2023 is a stellar year. You know... But, I mean, you're... <laughs> you're only able to see what you're able to see. Right, but I've seen, like, 80 movies. Yeah. Um, and so, like... But me having access to what I have access to... Most of the movies I've seen are extremely middle of the road. Hmm. If that's not a contradiction in terms. Um, <laughs> right. But, uh... <laughs> They're but yeah, in the middle of the road. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but the uh, so when I look at like my top 10, 15, it's like these are all pretty great. But at the same time, like I feel bad. I feel like my top 10 is super basic because it's all the movies that like everybody's talking about, like Holdovers and uh, Oppenheimer and stuff like that. And I feel like usually my top 10 is a little bit more varied. Um, but this year, just I think because of the movies I have access to, yeah, you only but, be, have access, but yeah. because of that, it feels to me like this is just like kind of just a regular humdrum year with like maybe yeah. eight movies that everyone thinks is great. But, but of course, is, there's more than that. This is but what I just haven't into. seen them. Well, first off, yeah, looking at my my top ten as it currently stands, obviously we won't be doing our uh, top ten on the podcast until right. the week before the Oscars because that's our uh, tradition. So I'll have time for it to change. But as my top ten currently stands, I think you've only seen one of them. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, I just don't think... Um, 
you've had the access to, yeah. to to everything here. But what I really wanted to get into is like how late in the year I started to realize what a good year it was. Yeah. So here's what I'm going to say. Back, my first Sundance was 2016. And I'm going to... Uh, drop a name here. It was the first time I ever met uh, Jason Bailey, the uh, film critic. Okay. The guy who wrote that uh, GQ article about David Zasloff. Yeah. Start up a storm. Anyway, friend of a friend. It's not like we're like besties or anything. Yeah. But like, um, I and it, it being my first Sundance and him being a Sundance veteran, I remember yeah. asking him that year, does a good Sundance augur a good year for film? Hmm. And he wasn't quite sure uh, and I could say 2023 is the year that proves that no <laughs> there is I think Sundance's throw Sundance's scope mm-hmm. is too narrow to predict the year and I think that I I don't I don't know about best since 2007 or whatever but yeah. I do think 2023 is a phenomenal year of movies but 2023 Sundance was for me the weakest slate of any Sundance I've covered since 2016 with the exception of past lives. Right. There was nothing really that like made a huge mark for me, even stuff that came out of Sundance that felt like it was going to make a big mark, like fair play kind of fizzled out. Right. Cat person really fizzled out, even though I kind of liked it. Yeah. Uh, Magazine dreams. I hated, but obviously is not coming out now because of the Jonathan majors uh, thing. Um, but a lot of people liked that. So, like, Past Lives is really the only one that broke through from from, from Sundance. Um, um, and so then uh, you get to the summer and you had the Barbenheimer thing. Yeah. And that felt special. Yeah. But one weekend is not a whole year. Right. I think it wasn't until I went to TIFF in early September. Yeah. I saw 15 movies at TIFF. I would say 13 of them were great and yeah. the other two were good. Yeah. I think that was when I started to realize like wow. That like I feel what like a stellar year and then AFI Fest which was late October also cemented it even I didn't see as many movies as I wanted to at AFI as I would have at AFI Fest because yeah. they stupidly scheduled AFI Fest over the weekend before Halloween which is like mm-hmm. I've got shit to do, you know, there's parties and stuff. Um so I didn't see everything there but everything I saw at AFI Fest was was good uh, and AFI Fest I think is again it's late in the year but the nature of AFI Fest which is sort of acts as the like best of the festivals yeah. for the whole year is a good way of telling if a, a year is is good so it's interesting with the re- release pattern how long it often takes or, or at least long it took this year it, it took until mid-September yeah. for me to go like I think this might be a really good year ha- having not been to any of these festivals and just hearing like word of mouth it does seem like over the last 10 years or so it does feel like toronto is more of an indicator than sundance yeah i mean i think can is probably the real indicator sure but i i've told i've said before that i can i can never go to can okay. because i know once i go once i'm going to like rearrange my life to go every year yeah. it might cost me my job it might cost my right. my marriage i can't be someone who tries to go to can every wow. year um, i'm exaggerating obviously yeah. but uh um yeah so i but i, I yeah can uh and venice and i guess telluride but i mean telluride seems more like yeah i mean telluride has a lot of um like awards contenders but it feels like it's mostly meant for the kind of stuff you're talking about that you're able to see middle of the yeah. awards 
type stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, I think yeah. If you once you throw your uh, uh, net internationally, I think uh, yeah, twenty twenty three just fantastic year. We'll we'll see how it how it how it shapes up. But there are movies it, that are great that are going to be on a lot of people's lists that yeah. I agree great are great that aren't even going to be honorable mentions for me because it's it's too dense a year for me. I, I did have the thought the other day of like this might be a good year because. I started noticing like what was in my top, what was like in my number like 16 spot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, wow. Like, this is great. And it did not make my top 10. And uh, like, for example, um, like Killers of the Flower Moon just got bumped out of my top 10. And that's great, yeah. along with several other movies. Yeah. And so, yeah, I feel like uh, I did have that thought the other day. Yeah. Like you can't judge. I feel like you can't judge a, a great a, like a movie year based on your top ten. You can base it on your top twenty. Yeah, because you can. Yeah, generally, if you look hard enough, you can find ten great films yeah. any year. But yeah. yeah, if you get to like yeah top twenty, top thirty, and you're still in like yeah. great movie range, then yeah. So I, okay, so we've uh, luckily we've killed a lot of yeah. time because speaking I think of our speaking of middle of the road Oscar movies, I feel like that'd be a good transition. Although we have to do an ad. Yeah, so yeah, real quick, I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweaked Audio is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and stylish styles and colorful colors that look great. They sound great. I use them each and every day of my life this morning um, while working from home. I'm on a half day today. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this morning I uh, was listening to a new album by an Australian uh, like technical death metal band called The Ritual Aura. And the album Heresiarch? 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 Mm-hmm. I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's got a kick-ass like, uh, dragon with a glowing oh, like, plasma mouth yeah. uh, on the cover. Very cool cover. Um, and it sounds very good. It's a very uh, textured album. A lot of times technical death metal can be very... like technical and and um uh not necessarily a, a lot of emotion or pathos but there's a lot of varied instrumentation in this album uh, and a lot of it is intense but also a lot of it is kind of pretty so i really liked the ritual aura's new album which i don't know how to pronounce and it sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds they're available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension if debit is your go-to card discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too so check out discover cashback debit a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases that's right cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore whether it's a movie date flea market find or midday latte you can start earning cash back and did i mention there are no fees period Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank member FDIC. Okay, we're back. It is, as you said, it is uh, end of the year catch up award season yeah. time. These are important movies. Yeah. These are the movies that are important, uh, which brings us to. Um, I mean, I feel like you and I, as like. Something turned a corner somewhere where. As comedy nerds, we are all like, we all hated the Family Guy. Sure. And it feels like at a certain point, 
everyone was like, eh, the Family Guy's actually not that bad. Well, I haven't gone back and revisited it. That's the thing is, like, uh, later seasons, they started dropping a lot of the stuff that uh, that kind of made Family Guy what it was uh, in the early seasons. Like, they don't do nearly as many cutaways. Like, they seem remember to Remember the time? I can't exactly. do that accent. <laughs> um, but they seem to do, like... A lot more story-based, character-based. Okay. Um, still not American Dad, but what is? Okay. I don't know. I don't watch either show. Um, not that I'm too cool for it. I just am too cool yeah. for television in general. But, what, <laughs> but why, uh, so, why do you bring up uh, Family Guy? Because one of the great things that Family Guy has given to film discourse yeah. is the phrase, it insists upon itself, which is when... <laughs> They're, they're dying or something? I can't remember. I yeah. haven't seen the whole episode. I've only seen the clip. And Peter, like, wants to admit before he dies that he thinks the Godfather is overrated. Yeah. Because it insists upon itself. Um, yeah. And it's, like, it's very funny, but it, and it's funny that it came from Family Guy, as far yeah. as we know. If I, I've asked this question on the podcast before. If anyone knows if that phrase existed somewhere before... Yeah, that family guy borrowed it from. Let me know because it's I a have great to phrase. assume that maybe one of the writers heard it from another writer, right? Yeah, and at a party or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, because it is such a great descriptor of a certain kind of. Yeah. Movie. I don't think The Godfather counts. No, but uh, I can. I guess I can see that it's kind of operatic. It's like based on a trashy novel, and it's like yeah. takes it. It does take itself kind of seriously, but it's also, like, cool and fun. I don't know. Um, But I've definitely had that experience before of movies that I feel like insist upon themselves. Uh, But for me, and I think, again, you and I are comedy people, a lot of times movies that don't have any laughs in them are the ones that are, like... uh, It feels like, no, we can't laugh at this because it's serious. Whereas, like... Some of the great, like, dramas of all time, you know, Goodfellas, yeah. There Will Be Blood. Fargo. Fargo, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Like, there's, there's comedy in these. There are laughs yeah. in, in, in these movies. And, and so often it is a sign of, of a movie taking itself too seriously. Yeah. Um, uh, and, but, uh, but there are, I mean, everything's subjective. There are occasions where that kind of works for me. Sure, um, of course. I think... Two years ago, three years ago, when we did our top ten, and we do like underrated and overrated. Yeah, I think I said The Devil all the time was the most underrated movie of the year mm-hmm. because I could so I could totally see someone doing the eye rolling and insists upon itself type of type of thing uh, with that. But I feel like it's it reaches a level of like kayfabe almost <laughs> that it works for me. There is, yeah. When talking about this. It's hard to pinpoint exactly what it is. Like, it, there's just kind of a vibe. And I would say that, yes, a movie being extreme, like, there's a difference between a movie being dramatic and a movie being dour. And I feel like a certain, it's not, it, this is not always the case, but I feel like a movie being particularly dour um, in a way that really, like, well, insists upon itself. Yep. Um, I feel like that's, pretty common for movies that like take themselves very seriously yeah it was uh i mean arrival was a turning point for me but it's denis villeneuve with sicario and enemy and prisoners was someone that i i didn't like his films for this exact reason i felt that they uh insisted upon so we gotta stop saying yeah i i liked 
I like those more than you did, however. Uh, Prisoners is the one that jumped to mind. Because um, mm-hmm. it's just so, like, just visually, and the script and the performance is just like, it just feels like a load of bricks that you, yeah. that he's unloading on you and you have to carry around. Yeah, it's it's sort of like, um, I, I remember thinking, like, I said something to my wife after we saw it together. Um, I was like, well, that was really unpleasant, but at least it was two and a half hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, on top of everything else. And I recall you said, I'm not I'm not saying this, like, as a way of, like, saying you, you're repeating yourself. What I'm saying is, like, you said a similar thing about the movie Detroit. Yeah. Which, oh I, did, which I didn't see. No, but I remember yeah. you, like, you came, like, the moment I asked you about it, you, like, rolled your eyes. And you're like, well, it was uh, really... Uh, Really sad, but at least it was really long. Yeah. That, uh, I forget, have you seen American Fiction? Yes. Okay, so this isn't a spoiler, but it'll ruin one joke that I liked in the movie. There's a part where he turns on, it's not BET, but it's like something like BET. Yeah. It's like Black History Month, so celebrating the beauty of the black experience. And then every clip they show is from like 12 Years a Slave yeah. or like a a drug movie or yeah. like something like that. Like, that's what Detroit is to me. It's like, oh, we're going to make a movie about racism that's going to be two hours and 40 minutes of black people yeah. being tortured. Yeah. That's how uplifting. Yeah. Uh, um, it's like, well, I guess that is part of the experience um, and an important one. But at the same time, you know, yeah. and I do feel like along those lines, well, let's, let's, let's do this. First, let's define what it insists upon itself actually means for us. I mean, I, for me, it means the movie is not confident enough in itself that that, or, or confident enough in the audience that it will get it. That it has to insist. It has yeah. to. It, it has to lay it on thick, and that's why I said that, like, no laughing. This is serious yeah. type of thing. Uh, that's very interesting that you associate it with like a phrase, which is no laughing. Yeah, this is serious. Um, <laughs> Because my phrase that I associate with is like, okay, you guys, come on. Like that kind of thing. Like, (laughs) this is important. Um, And so, yeah, like, so when I thought, like, I thought a little bit of Denis Villeneuve. I thought a lot about Steve McQueen. Um, Yeah. You like more than I do, but we, neither of us, like shame, really at all. Yeah, that I didn't like is, Tokyo's a Slave either. I mean, yeah, like, me either. Small X was the turning point. I mean, Widows, I think, I don't know, that, that's because I talked about it being subjective. Like, a movie yeah. like The Devil All the Time, uh, or another one popped in my mind and now I've already forgotten it, where it's like, it's so, like knowingly like po-faced that maybe you actually are kind of supposed to laugh and I've heard that interpretation of Widows is that like Widows like at times almost borders on camp like you know uh, I think it was a friend of the show and our friend Jake uh, who said like uh, come on this is a movie that repeatedly has Viola Davis dramatically emerge from the darkness holding a small white dog like like, there's an argument to be made that the movie does know what it is and is supposed to be kind of overly dramatic which is how I felt about the devil all the time I didn't get that with Widows but maybe I'm too dumb well I wasn't a big fan of Widows either because like I mean the movie's not necessarily a genre movie but 
there is an element to it. There's a genre element to it. And I feel like one thing, and I wish I could come up with more examples, but I feel like a genre movie that appears to be ashamed of the fact that it's a genre movie. And so it'll be like, I'm going to elevate this. Um, I feel like you'll find it with certain types of horror movies. I think people have uh, accused Ari Aster of that. I don't think so. But, um, well, especially not with Bo is Afraid, which is, yeah, yeah. I mean, there are parts of Bo is Afraid that I would say that's a comedy. Oh, oh, 100%. Yeah, Birthday Boy Stab Man. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Which I think is my uh, letterbox bio right now. I tend to change it to movie references every once in a while. Um, but yeah, and so, uh, so yeah, there are certain filmmakers that I associate with this, um, who just really. I think an argument could be made that uh, Inuritu has become this. Yeah, um, I think that's a great... Like, like I I mean, I like Birdman, and I like The Revenant. Like, I, I think that yeah. there's I there's like genuine the artistic achievement there, but also it does seem to be like, be like, hey, guys, check this out. I got stuff to say, um, which I don't, I don't begrudge a movie having something to say, but it's just that feeling of, like, yeah... There's just like a, almost a school marmish tone to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's I'm going to keep repeating myself, but like it is subjective because sometimes there are movies that I really like that could be seen as, I don't know, humorless. Like I, I like Alex Garland as a filmmaker. Yeah, me too. Oh, I could see um, people saying but, this about men. I didn't see men, yeah. but um, I was supposed to see men. Uh, that was 22, right? Yeah. Yeah, I got COVID. That was the, fir- the first time I got COVID. Yeah. I, I've had COVID twice. Uh, um, spring 2022 and spring 2023. So spring yeah. 2024, watch out. Yeah. Uh, here we come. Um, anyway, so yeah, I missed men. But yeah, certainly Annihilation and Ex, Ex Machina definitely feels like it's like sure. lesson-based in a way. Yeah. Um, that I, like... I enjoy, like, yeah, I don't necessarily see, oh, yes, okay, making a mental note to come back to something. Like, I don't see the lesson of the the thing that Ex Machina has to say about um, different forms of male entitlement. Like, I don't see it as revelatory. It is pretty obvious. But I just enjoy the sort of perverse pleasure Alex Garland seems to get out of punishing the men for for right. it that I like I do think there's something fun not funny but fun yeah um, and, I, and I suddenly remember the other movie I was going to mention that was like on the surface humorless but actually I think is um, like you know tongue-in-cheek hilarious yeah. which is Nightcrawler sure um, I think that movie is very funny uh, not just for the LA references I've talked about the art, you know what I'm going to say? Oh, the yeah. argument between Jake Gyllenhaal and um, uh, Riz Ahmed uh, about Laurel Canyon versus Coldwater. Yeah. Since when is Coldwater faster? It has fewer lights, but Laurel has places where you can pass. Yeah. I think about it because I live in the valley and work yeah. in Beverly Hills. I take both of those streets. Yeah. Plenty, so I think about that a lot. But uh, yeah, I do think there are a lot of other things in that movie that I find uh, entertaining and, and, and funny. Yeah. But I could see someone, you know, thinking it's way too into itself or way. Uh, yeah. Way too I could see that. Like, I feel like most movies, they 
again, like, it's hard to pinpoint exactly how a movie does this, but, like, when a movie, like, really see, feels like, it's like, I'm going to blow your mind, man. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's a quality to that. Yeah. Like, um, speaking of, like, another Jake Gyllenhaal movie that, as everyone knows, I hated so much is Demolition. Which I never saw. Oh, my he, gosh. He warned me away. Boy, oh, boy. And that's one where it's just, like, you know, it's a first-time screenwriter surprising nobody if you've seen it. Um, and, yeah, just... And because it's a first-time screenwriter, the movie feels like it has something to prove. Um, and it's just borrowing from all these other movies and, like, combining them into... Uh, combining them into, like... This this one thing that the guy seems to feel like is really uh, really exciting and really novel, um, and it just feels like look, hey, anybody like myself who wrote like a screenplay when you were a teenager, I guarantee that was self-important and insisted upon itself, and that's what demolition feels like. Ugh, ugh. <laughs> uh, well, I think the one because um, I think you and I have. Well, that's not true. Sorry. This can't be fun to listen to. Me, like, battling it out with my brain. Oh, sure. Um, and you're only getting one side of the conversation. Uh, I was going to say we've mostly been picking movies that people agree on. That's not true. A lot of people like the movies that we've talked shit about. And oh, like, yeah, and Denis Villeneuve, like, there's yeah. a reason that he keeps making movies. And but, I mean, he's long, gotten... I, he's, he's doing well now. I mean, although I, I, again, I had some of the same problems with Dune. I was going to say that, yeah. yes. But I really liked um, Arrival yeah. and... Blade Runner. Um, Blade Runner 2049, I really liked. Yeah. So, yeah, I, he's proven that he can, you know, get, get to me. But, yeah, uh, yeah Dune, I, I mean... I, I think, think my, like, damning with faint praise when I saw Dune was that I wasn't as bored as I was afraid I was going to be. Well, <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, the source, materi- the source material itself is kind of self-serious with, you know, okay. and I feel I like he's finished reading it. I, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like when David Lynch can't really bring much to it. Yeah. That's when, you know, like the source material itself is just going to drag people down. Um, but I'm going to throw out a couple okay. that I think... Well, one I've said on the podcast before, Lynn Ramsey's You Were Never Really Here okay. is a movie that feels... It's, luckily, it's nowhere near as long as Prisoners, but it feels kind of like Prisoners and like, yeah. wow, this is just a gauntlet of upsettingness. <laughs> I've actually never seen it. Yeah, I mean, and maybe you'd love it, because I like Lynn Ramsey a lot. I love yeah. Ratcatcher and, and Morvan Keller. I never saw... We need to talk about Kevin. Oh, it's so good. Um, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll add that to the many lists that I have, but uh, yeah, you never, you were never really here. I remember, um, and having that. Also, I've talked before about how much I hate that feeling. Which is, this is kind of like narcissistic of me. You go see a movie with a group of people, yeah. and afterwards, immediately afterwards, you realize they all liked it and you didn't, yeah. and you feel like, oh, am I going to be a spoil sport? But like, oh, th- again, that's me being a narcissist, like. You know, who says my opinion is going to spoil their opinion? They'll probably just think I'm an idiot. Ah, you'd be, but, well, that's the thing is, like, apparently a lot of people, but like, so was, many people, I've read so many people saying, like, saying, like, oh, who are they to tell us what to think? It's like, yeah. no critic worth his salt is telling you you should think this. They're yeah. just giving their opinion. But uh, I guess it's different when you're with critics, because they sure. all have the... So I saw a critic screening of... I, didn't, I missed it at Sundance this year, but I saw a, a press screening of You Were Never Really Here 
Um, and I, well, I was at the Wilshire uh, screening room, and I walked outside afterwards along with two friends of the show, Jack Drew and uh, Emily St. James, mm-hmm. and they both really liked it, and I felt bad being like, that wasn't for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I've had that, I mean, this is not an insist upon itself movie, but I remember um, uh, seeing a, a, a press screening of Don't don't Think Twice, is that what it's called? The uh, Mike Birbiglia, like, improv uh, oh. like movie. With I all, don't they're remember. all trying to get on Weekend Live and something like that. I did not care for that movie at all, but not yeah. an insist upon itself movie, just that uh, I didn't think it was entertaining. Uh, so that's, I, okay. I remember when I went to see 12 Years a Slave, I went to a screening, and uh, our friend Amy Nicholson was there, and as everyone was leaving, she and I like caught each other's eye. Yeah. And like warily approached each other, <laughs> and like we unspokenly waited till everyone was gone. I was like, I didn't like that, did you? And she's like, no. And so we talked about it for a while, but like clearly we both felt like, Man, I feel like I'm not allowed to not like this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but it was such a relief knowing that someone else at that very screening did not really care for it. It gave me, I think it gave me permission to write. Uh, a less than sparkling review. Yeah. Um, I remember a couple years ago, I saw the, I guess it was maybe just last year, Natalie and I went to like a for your consideration screening of Romania's um, Oscar submission, mm-hmm. which is a very, very bad movie called Immaculate that is, uh, again, at least it's short on the short side, but it's still just like, Oh, this young woman gets like checked into a drug rehab and over the course of the next 90 minutes gets like passed along from one man to another and repeatedly abused and yeah. raped and taken advantage of and it's like just I just hate it. so it definitely yeah. is one of these type of movies yeah. but there was a reception afterward and so I'm standing there I have my, my like little cheese plate my glass of wine you know I'm standing there Natalie goes up to the bathroom so I'm standing there uh, at a chair, at a, it's like standing a table type of standing tables type of situation there are two other women and they're like what did you think of the movie? And I know, like, probably half the people at the screening are in some way involved in the movie or yeah. in some way, like, from the Romanian government or or, or whatever. Because um, that happens when I saw AFI Fest this year when I saw Io Capitano, um, yeah. the Italian entry. Like, half of the people in the theater were Italians. Yeah. Because uh, there's a part where the character, who is not Italian, attempts to speak Italian and half the theater started laughing. <laughs> anyway. I'm getting off track. So back to the Immaculate Reception. These women are like, what did you think? And I was like, oh, uh, and, and like, I, I danced around it. And then like, we, and then I realized they were also feeling me out. Yeah. So we were like, did you work on the movie? And like, once we'd established, yeah. none of us had anything to do with the movie. We were like, okay, that was terrible, right? Yeah. And then, so I'm talking to these two women. And then Natalie comes back from the movie. And they're like, what did you think? And Natalie looks at me, and I'm like, it's okay. They had nothing to do with me. Yeah. She's like, oh, thank God. That was terrible. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so. I do feel like, you know, we were talking about dourness. And I do feel like maybe an offshoot of that is, like, movies that are just almost seem to be wallowing in misery. Yeah. Um, I feel like, you know, obviously, 12 Years a Slave sounds like that one. Uh, Immaculate as well. I think a good argument could be made for Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, as much as there are elements I like, and Ellen Burstyn is great, 
Um, yeah, that's one like everyone's like, this is amazing. I haven't and revisited like, it, it's, but it's one of those movies that like I saw, liked at the time, and I yeah. can, without revisiting it, I can already tell like. I probably don't think I don't think I'd like that. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, like there's some really great editing in there. The music's pretty good, so like it's not a terrible movie, but definitely. And I'd say this is kind of an element to Aronofsky in general is there's like he's taking himself very seriously. Yeah. That doesn't stop me from really liking. I mean, I I love uh, Black Swan, and I feel like that could be one that people would easily say this about. Yeah, the. But, I mean, I don't consider myself an Aronofsky fan, but the two that people say I should see are the two, like, or that I would like are the two I haven't seen, which are Black Swan and uh, The Fountain. Is that Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen The Fountain. Yeah, I never saw either one of those. Um, I go back and forth on Mother. I feel like that, I, like, I actually, I think theologically it's a mess, um, and all this guy has to do is talk to, like, a first-year, uh, uh, you know, uh, theology student yeah. to uh, get rid of a lot of this stuff. However, I really like its audacity. I like yeah. the acting. I'm glad I love the art direction. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, like I feel like that exclamation point in a movie that is not the informant uh, could give you an indication. Yeah. Like what? Uh, nothing insists upon itself more than an exclamation point. You're reminding me actually um, of something that. This is getting kind of off the mark, but something that the aforementioned Emily St. James said on Blue Sky about Barbie this year, mm-hmm. which is, she was like, to people who are steeped in feminist theory, yeah. Barbara, Barbie probably seems really reductive, yeah. but to people who aren't at all, yeah. it probably seems like it's... Um, uh, articulating things that we've never been that they've never been able to put into words before. So I think with something like Mother, it's like, yeah, you know more about theology than the average right. viewer. To the average viewer, maybe it does work as a kind of like uh, gateway drug sure. or a stepping stone. Um, um, yeah, so, Barbie. I feel like there could be an argument there. Granted, it's, it's too funny. funny. I don't it's know. funny, but then like to me, it's like it's, that America Ferrera monologue comes along and it's like oh jeez but uh, a it um to to talk like a gen z or about a sex scene okay that monologue serves a plot purpose as opposed to like it doesn't feel to me like the movie is putting on the brakes to make a speech oh that, that, that yeah that it serves a plot purpose so that works um but again like i said like the movie is not only to funny it's too silly for to to insist upon itself that's i guess i i I guess so but at the same time like i would absolutely say that something like uh vice or or don't look up insist upon themselves and those are those aren't funny right but they're but they're (laughs) they're trying yeah yeah so i guess this goes back to being subjective there's something this is getting into television but uh i often feel like i have to defend the show BoJack Horseman against people who have an idea of what it is, mm. that it's like um, the like sad horse comedy that has a lot of platitudes about depression and mental yeah. health and stuff like that. A, like, mental health, it actually kind of, like, the show mocks the idea of, like, using mental health as a crutch yeah. at, at one point when yeah. when Mr. Peanut Butter becomes hashtag sad dog. <laughs> um, uh, 
but also I think what people who maybe don't know the show aren't realizing is that at the same time as it's uh, uh, a like a, a deep and, and sometimes troubling character study it's also one of the silliest shows that yeah, has well, ever been on sure. TV when I think about like one of my favorite episodes of Bojack Horse- Horseman it's called Head in the Clouds and it ends with this like really emotional knockdown drag out argument between Bojack and Diane about things that have been unsaid for like two seasons yeah. at this point and it's like very raw and very character based but it's also an episode in which a homemade sex robot called Henry Fondle talks his way to the top of the CEO being the CEO of a streaming service through repeated double entendres that are misunderstood. Oh, that's <laughs> like great. It's the silliest show. And also it's this other thing. So I, mean, I feel like, for, again, with Barbie. For my money, like, the funny, the silliest thing is when, um, oh my, Todd <laughs> and quentin tarantulino uh, are going to like make this movie but like they keep changing the medium to something that's like more like the essence and then they finally arrive at like a gift basket like this movie no, it's a, a is that a, what it is it's a it's a curated uh, bi-monthly box right. of uh it's a bi-monthly box of curated snacks that's right and yeah because i remember todd says like i know it sounds confusing but it's the bi-monthly that means every two months not the bi-monthly that means twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh yeah I, I love that show but there are some shows that i've stopped that i stopped watching after one season because i got this feeling from them one of them is ozark uh, people, i stopped watching after the pilot episode people love ozark there's good performances, but man, that thing just, I found it so exhausting. Yeah. And it felt, and yeah, it just, as opposed to like Sopranos or Deadwood or The Wire or whatever, yeah. like movies that, like shows that are dramas um, that have to do with crime and that sort of thing. But those, it's not merely that they're funny, but also they just seem to like be an aware enough of themselves yeah. To understand, I think that's the thing is there's a certain lack of self-awareness to movies that are so serious. Yeah, um, yeah they don't know how they come across. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the the Danish girl is one that I think. Oh, all sure, the time. absolutely. Uh, but real quick, back to what you were saying. I'm gonna paraphrase because I can't remember the exact quote, and also Twitter being what it is, I can't remember who said this. Right. But basically, they were saying like someone was saying you can you can trace the downward slope from the like new golden age second golden age in american television through the difficult man dramas from sopranos down to breaking bad down to ozark like you yeah. can see like a thing that was once revolutionary becoming more dumb and more rote yeah. as it goes on yeah um okay what was i gonna say i had another oh yeah another contentious one that i okay. got um back when i used to still write current movie reviews when I had time uh, maybe in 2024 New Year's resolution I get sure. back to posting regular movie reviews um, one that I got we got a lot of uh, negative comments on was that I wrote a negative review of Avengers Endgame all right and I think I and I am not obtuse here I understand that there are people who or who at that point especially were so invested in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that this three-hour, like, slog felt like a big culmination of something that felt important. Uh, But, like, I just 
always thought these movies were supposed to be fun. Yeah. And I had a lot of fun with a lot of them. And so Endgame, because I was someone who would like, I like these movies. This is the same way I am with Star Wars. And how I was able to like enjoy, this is the opposite of Endgame. I was able to enjoy Rise of Skywalker because I'm not that invested. I just had fun for the two hours that Rise of Skywalker was. Yeah. And the same thing, I wanted the same thing out of Endgame, but it was it's three hours and there's almost no fun in it at all. Whereas the first half a little bit, I've, I've rewatched it and there's more fun than I remember seeing the okay. first time. Yeah. Maybe I'd, I'd get it more. Cause well, let's get back to something in a second. Um, uh, but the, the previous installment, the first half infinity yeah. war oh, is correct. like, well, I mean, up until the very end, which is very sad, yeah. it's like all fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. I've yeah. watched Infinity War multiple times because it's such a fun watch. Yeah. Obviously, up until it's very sad at the end. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pretend that I'm so disconnected from the characters that I'm not sad at the end of Infinity War. Right. But it's very fun up until then. Um, but yeah, maybe you're right that I need to revisit it because that certainly happened with The Irishman. When I saw The Irishman, I was yeah. like, "Man, this is good," but it's like. This is so sad and so heavy. That's exactly and, and, how I felt. But revisiting it, I, it still is. But like, there is a lot more comedy, I think, in how yeah. dumb De Niro's character is, how malleable he is, and then also like um, the Harvey Keitel, uh, the the scene about the Chinese laundry. Yeah. Movie, like, like uh, you know who owns the other half? No, I do. Who? No. I own the other half. Not I know who knows the yeah, other half. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a lot more funny stuff um, in uh, in in the Irishman that I thought. Yeah. And I wonder. I mean, I d- I didn't find Killers of the Flower Moon very funny. Maybe no. on a maybe there'll be more gallows humor if I on, on a on a second watch. There's, but I don't know. There is some. There's definitely some like yeah some gallows laughs in there. Yeah. Like. Uh, De Niro getting mad about like the guy that was shot in the back of the head instead of the front is just like he's like he's yelling at him like a manager of a store yeah. would yell at someone for like not mopping the floor right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about. I mean, Pacino in in The Irishman oh, is yeah. often hilarious. Oh yeah, <laughs> how much he hates Jeff Kennedy is so funny to me. And just yeah, like when he's talking about like there's the whole debate with Stephen Graham about like being late. Oh and, yeah! Uh, oh man! Oh yeah! And I was thinking, and how much like, you can attribute to traffic? And Stephen Graham is like, uh, uh, you know, in New York, people are freezing their balls off, and he's like, "No, it's August." And he's like, "Ah, I didn't realize." In my head, it's always thirty degrees in New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think about that all the time, actually. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe I need to rewatch *Killers of the Flower Moon*. But um, I felt like I had something else, else uh, another example I was going to give, and now it's escaping me. So do you have anything else that was on your mind? Yeah, I mean, so here's the thing. I think that when a movie insists upon itself, I think it actually gives itself a free pass to do things that other movies would be like, uh, that doesn't feel right. Um, for example, um, Free State of Jones... Did you ever see it? I did see that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's some good performances and stuff, but at the same time, it's just like, that is a movie that takes itself very seriously. So much so that there is a scene where Matthew McConaughey is, like, his character is basically an outlaw at this point. Um, 
and he's working with like runaway slaves and all that and so he gives like this big inspirational speech and which ends with him saying we're all n-words now and i remember being like wow that is a choice tone deaf like yeah. totally tone deaf because it's also like I wanted like a guy to raise his hand and be like uh you know we're like this because we were born like this yeah. you are like this because you made a number of choices um and it just like but clearly the movie thought it was doing something very important so yeah. it had no qualms at all with its main character saying that and believing that I yeah. mean it was crazy yeah. Um, and similarly, uh, uh, Eat, Pray, Love. Did you see that one? No. Oh my gosh, it's awful. And that's the thing, is like similar to a movie that I increasingly consider the worst movie I've ever seen, Struck by Lightning. Um, you know, these are movies that are so, they're so sure that like they've got the answer to everything, that they ignore the fact that their main character is a fucking sociopath. Like, Julia Roberts' character, she's like, well, I just gotta be true to myself, and I gotta do this and that. Meanwhile, she, like, leaves all these broken relationships in her past and feels no need to apologize or explain herself. Yeah. And it's just like, I feel like you're maybe sending me the wrong message, but again, it's that lack of self-awareness that I think is, is pretty common with these movies. Um, yeah, and uh, these movies are so like sure that they're important or impactful that they don't realize how silly they can be oh, sometimes. Absolutely. Like Pay It Forward is a good example. Oh of that. yes, I think I, I haven't seen uh, Life Itself, not the uh, Ooh. not the Roger Ebert documentary. Yeah. But, uh, I haven't seen that. I also haven't seen Remember Me, which I know uh, with Robert Pattinson. Do you know? Oh, yes. You know the, I, I, I know the twist of that okay, one. Okay, yeah, you can look that up for itself, for yourself. Yeah, um, so sometimes these movies, like, uh, take themselves so seriously. Again, I guess I got Bojack on the brain because we talked about it, but Rami Malek voices a character who's, going back to TV, who is sure that he's a genius, like, showrunner and right. storyteller. Um, and uh, he actually is just, like, it's all just, like, he's throwing up sort of like signifiers of yeah. importance, but he doesn't actually know what he's doing because Diane like t- tries to help him with the script. He's like, "So, is Mr. Peanut character's uh, uh, is Mr. Peanut Butter's character a ghost or not?" And he goes, "Exactly." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, I had one more to have. Oh, go ahead. No, I I had some. I just would have absolutely kicked myself if we got through this episode and I didn't mention my bet noir, my arch enemy. The film director Scott Cooper, who I knew you were gonna cut, yeah, seemingly and, and like I liked Crazy Heart. Yeah, I, I didn't see Out of the Furnace. Is that what it's called? Right. But, Based on what I've heard, I feel like it's gonna be what you're talking about. Yeah, but like Hostels uh, is so bad. Like to like, it's so convinced of its importance again. Yeah. That, like it end like it's like a an infant getting shot in the like opening sequence. Oh. It's like, it's so convinced oh. that it's like saying something important. And then like having Christian Bale be like a racist to the end, like stands up against racist to like, yeah. make sure the native American characters get buried in the pro or like their bodies yeah. happen. They get whatever 
sort of burial rituals they yeah. have get done is just like it's so self-important and then like he made antlers which is a horror movie yeah and should be fun no that's that's i think that might be the like origin of what i was saying like no laughing this is serious yeah. that's yeah. what antlers feels like and then the pale blue eye again yeah it's such like a uh uh pulpy premise the the pale blood yeah. which i don't know if you know what it i i haven't seen anything so, after uh black mass so um there's a murder at west point okay. in pale blood and um christian bale plays an inspector who's brought in because he's supposed to be the most respected inspector mm-hmm. to solve this murder at west point uh and he there's a a a uh a, a, a curious and uh, ambitious young rec- cadet at West Point, yeah. uh, who he, whom he enlists as his assistant, yeah. named Edgar Allan Poe. So, it's uh, wow. I'm drawing a blank on his name from um, like Battle of Buster Scruggs, Harry Mellon. Oh, okay. uh, Harry Mellon played. Well, I like him. Yeah, and Harry Mellon mm-hmm. played young Edgar Allan Poe. And again, this should be like a fun, yeah, pulpy gothic, nor- like detective store- story. Nope, it's got to be about like loss and regret and all this like heavy man, shit. Oh, man. Just, like he can't seem to make a movie that is enjoyable to watch. I mean, Hostels at least is like a lot of the cinematography is really good and it's yeah. got a great cast, but it's I just can't. So yeah, Scott Cooper is the kind of the king of this. I can't believe I almost got to the end of the episode yeah. without mentioning him. Well, I did want to like I know we're almost done, but I did want to throw like, well, let's talk about this like directors we love that might have done this every once in a while. Like, for example, we were talking about Scorsese. And I don't think the Irishman is this. I don't think Killers of the Flower Moon is this. I might think Gangs of New York is this. Oh, I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah, I rewatched it a few months ago. I feel like that much scenery chewing can't help but be fun, but I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen it since it was brand new, which is what, 20 years ago? What year is it? 2003? 2002. Two, so over 20 yeah. years ago, yeah. But like, it ends where like, you see like, uh, I think it's a great, like uh, a grave for one of the characters, and then like, you see like, time go by and then you see like the city of New York get built up and then you see like the full city right there in the background and it's almost like hey man like think of the title and then then look at this image and like yeah man this is where civilization came from what do you think (laughs) of that yeah oh yeah of course everyone makes fun of the rat at the end of the departed which uh, I know some people have like tried to revise it as what I was saying that it's like self aware and tongue in cheek but I still think the rat at the end of the part is very stupid. Yeah, me The Departed too. is better than I thought it was when I first saw it, but I still think that's stupid. Um, you know, it's, it, I don't know if this is just us, but, like, it feels like we've been talking about movies from, like, the 90s on. Right, I was trying and, to think before that. Well, I wonder if it's a deal of, like, time proving us right, where, like... Right. The self-important movies from the 50s, 60s, and 70s maybe mostly have like faded from memory, and the the actually good movies are what stuck. I, I feel like in my lifetime, um, Easy Rider has gone from a movie that's like this revolutionary classic to one where it's like, eh, it's kind of dated, and and also like clearly thinks it's doing something much yeah that like was the, my feeling yeah. when I saw Easy Rider in 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 high school or no in college is when I saw Easy Rider 
Um, I didn't really like it, but I wonder if I would like its in a different way than Mother. If I would like its audacity and its yeah. go for brokenness more now, because yeah. I like. I've I've since seen other the, at the time that I saw Easy Rider, the only other Dennis Hopper directorial effort I'd seen was Chasers, um, but I've since seen uh, the last movie and the Great out of out of the blue. Um, Did he do Colors? Uh, oh yeah, I also since seen that. That's not yeah. a very good movie yeah. at all. That's again that thing like with Hostels or or Detroit or whatever. It's like. Uh, white people making movies about race that yeah. are like probably well-meaning yeah. but are so blind so colorblind in yeah. many ways uh that it ends up being insulting um but uh i don't know i like maria conchito alonso sure, well, sure. maria conchito alonso how do you have a name i have, an, I have fun an, to say exactly and i want to see a movie with mary elizabeth master antonio yeah and Maria Conchita Alonso. Let's throw Mary Stuart Masterson in there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, um, so, yeah, like, so I feel like Scorsese has done it. Um, look, I love Orson Welles, but I feel like if you look at something like, well, frankly, I would say uh, The Other Side of the Wind, which I loved, oh. but I feel like an argument could be made that that is, you know, I guess there's going to be there is a difference between being like self-indulgent and self-important. Yeah. I feel like they 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 do go hand in hand a lot. I think but the not indulgence, always. and I think, like with Easy Rider, or like I'm assuming with Easy Rider, the the filmmaking bravura bravado <laughs> in um, Other Side of the Wind uh, makes it too engaging to be because often these movies we're talking about that yeah. exist upon themselves are boring yeah and I'm never bored by the other side of the wind yeah even if it's, even if it's not as funny as it could be although I don't right. think it's without right especially in the early part and like the drive out to the place there's like some funny stuff there um but uh yeah I I, I think um it's too fascinating in it's filmmaking I, I think that's a great way to look at it because there's a difference between a director saying, I'm making something important and being and feeling like invigorated because of that. And a director saying, I'm making something exciting and right. new right. and feeling yeah, exhilarated because of that. Um, you know, there would be some people who would say that uh, 2001 um, could fall into this category. Yeah, but it's too gripping uh, to me. Yeah. Too hypnotic to me, but some people, yeah, I could see some people finding it very boring. Yeah, I mean, I remember with like speaking of Kubrick, this is like 15 years ago, over 15 years ago, when I first moved out here. Uh, I was a PA on, a PA on something, and um, there was a part I can't go into the whole thing, but there was yeah. basically there was a part where like someone had to be on guard in front of this uh room to make sure because everything yeah. was like set up, so it was like we had to take shifts just sitting in front of the door of this room, making sure no one went yeah. in. So we would like watch movies or, or, or bring it. I brought in like kids and all DVDs. And at one point I was watching Dr. Strangelove mm-hmm. and one of the sound guys stopped by. He was like an older guy or middle-aged guy. Uh, and he was like, I showed this to my kids recently. They were so bored. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, tastes, tastes change. Yeah. You know, I've, I mean, I've seen uh, on, on Twitter, I've seen, people say that they find The Sopranos too boring. Um, 
but those people who were used to Breaking Bad where everything yeah, ends every on a cliffhanger. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, which that's something, yeah, Scott and I were talking recently on, on the podcast, or maybe on a Patreon, patreon.com slash Battleship Retention, about The Sopranos compared to Breaking Bad, and he asked me, he was like, I haven't seen it in a long time, do Sopranos, do Sopranos episodes end on cliffhangers, like Breaking Bad episodes? And no. Like, no. They're maybe all, like, maybe one or two. Stories. I mean, I, well, the last one. Yeah. Maybe. Um, man, I'm sorry, I'm looking at Maria Conchita Alonso's filmography, and like she still works and has done a lot of TV, but yeah. like, I don't think I've seen her in anything since Colors. Oh, really? As a movie. I've seen, she did um, like an episode of Desperate Housewives, a few episodes of that miniseries Kingpin, if you remember that from the early 2000s. Mm. Um, I do know that's that series. I like uh, the movie more. Um, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> they're not what, doing what's up? Uh, oh, it looks like she was in the movie Material Girls with okay. the, the late uh, Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Uh, Spread with Ashton Kutcher. I remember that movie. Never saw it. Um, Lords of Salem, which was. Um, oh, yeah. Um, a Rob Zombie movie that I wanted to see she was in but I just haven't seen her in anything but she's got like TV movie credits up until the present day so good well, for Maria good for her yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously I feel like this conversation could keep going because I keep thinking of ones yeah. that yeah. might qualify like falling down which is like colors got me thinking about it which yeah. is funny, but it does seem to yeah. be like making a statement or something. But I still, I mean, Joel Schumacher has made some bad movies, but I still think that he has too much fun making movies for yeah. it to fully be. Like, yeah, John, Falling Down is probably really, really dumb. Yeah. I haven't seen it forever. But I mean, I uh, loved it when I was young, but I feel like. And I'm sure I'd love it for to. the real life uh, LA. Yeah, oh, of course. And not only is it real life, but it's like, um, for the most part, maintains geographical verisimilitude yeah. he actually moves from downtown to Venice. the ocean yeah. like along notable landmarks and stuff yeah, uh, yeah I'm, I'm still trying to think of your um, prompt about like a, a film director I like who has one or two of these and I'm I don't know I feel like I'm drawing a blank right now but, like uh, I'll throw these out not as like they're definitely this but like as a talking point I think someone could make the argument the Magnolia is this. Because um, it's just so full. That's a great point things. because I think I would have, I, I didn't know the term back in yeah. 2000, but probably what I would have said at the time. Now I like Magnolia, uh, even if I do get, um, having lived in the valley, especially that part yeah. of the valley, I get annoyed by how white Magnolia is. Yeah. Um, because that's not at all. This is a thing, Natalie and I talked about in my other podcast, the one where I met your mother, is that. If you are not from Southern California, or if you haven't been to L.A. or whatever, yeah. if you just know the San Fernando Valley from movies and TV, yeah. you probably think it's very white. Because yeah. that's what you see in, like, Fast Times Ridgemont High and um, what else? Like, Karate Kid and all yeah. these things. Like, in reality, the valley is very heavily Latino. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, like, when yeah, I go when into you... a store, yeah. they switch to English for my benefit, you know, in, in my neighborhood. Like, it's it, it's a very because Natalie being from here, she asked, like, do you think some of the anti-Valley sentiment is racist? And I said, no, because people don't know. No, people they don't. Outside of, 
this area don't yeah. know that it's mostly Latino. When they say Valley Girl, they are not picturing yeah. uh, a Latino yeah, woman. Maria Cachito Alonso. Exactly. I was just going to say that. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I took um, when I took classes about like you know what it means to be a white person adopting a kid of a different ethnicity. Oh, right. Um, and my boys are, are Latino. And um, and they said, like, you know, it's like they may wind up being the only kids, the only kid of their race uh, in your neighborhood. And I was like, uh, I don't think we need to worry about that. Uh, yeah. If anything, if anything, like the kids might be made fun of by other kids for having white parents. Yeah. You know, instead of the opposite. Um, but yeah, and then like I think about uh, Christopher Nolan. And I feel like oh, yeah, yeah. I feel like Inception, um, maybe yeah. Interstellar. I say Interstellar too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Fincher, like, even though his movies can be funny, I feel like for a while he was someone that could like took things very seriously. Um, I guess I could see that that like, like I was saying about Scott Cooper that like. Panic Room and the game should be more fun than I thought they were at the time. Yeah. But again, I haven't revisited those. So I, they I are think fun. I think the game is a lot of fun. Okay. Panic Room, not so much. But uh, but yeah, Fight Club was one at the time that I was like, this movie is too interested in teaching. And yeah. But um. But again, I keep, the, I keep thinking these examples when I think like I'm probably wrong. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen Fight Club in a long time, and I feel like I should probably revisit it. Um, but we, we, we should wrap up. Um, okay. Oh, I thought, I mean, um, I don't know if this is a directive that I like, but I feel like um, Norman Jewison has made movies that I love, like mm-hmm. Moonstruck, and then he's made, like, Rollerball and yeah. and The Thomas Crown Affair, both of which I think are dull as dishwater. Yeah. <laughs> um, and partially because Rollerball is so intent on being this like very serious allegory of like, yeah. this is what the future could become. Um, it's one of those examples. Like we talk about like, Hey, if you've got, uh, if you've got something to say, put it in a genre movie yeah. and the genre yeah. elements will disguise it. Rollerball, not the case. They won't let, yeah, you won't let it. Um, yeah. but that's of course, um, allows me to bring up my favorite trivia facts. The, uh, Thomas Carnefair and Rollerball, both normal Jewish movies, both remade by John McTiernan. Oh. Isn't that weird? <laughs> I think I forgot that John McTiernan did the remake of uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Yeah, that was back when he was still... Not that in was jail. That was 13th Warrior, yeah. right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, because then there was 13th Warrior and Rollerball, and then he went to prison or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, all right. Yeah, I can so, yeah. keep talking forever. Exactly. Fun so, <laughs> listeners, I'm sure you guys are thinking of tons of them. Yeah. So feel free to put them in the comments. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and you can email us at david at or tyler at battleshipretention.com. You can follow me on Twitter and Blue Sky at David Pretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at More Lessons. Um, I'm on Letterboxd at David Backs. Uh, my other podcast, as mentioned, is the one where I met your mother. You can find that at Battleship Pretension but, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, Tyler, anything else? Oh, yeah, Tyler's GoFundMe, which you oh, can yes, find pinned yes. to the top of the homepage at battleshipretention.com. I got to get back in the habit of mentioning that. Indeed. And, uh, and many of you have been uh, extremely generous, yeah. and I really do appreciate it. And again, I'll, I'll keep saying it, like, if you sign up for the Patreon at yeah. patreon.com slash battleshipretention, that is very much 
very similar to helping Tyler because he sees some of that, that money. And we might need to cut this out. Did we ever make that make a decision about what Scott suggested for patrons? Um, not yet. We can talk about okay. it next week. Great. Yeah, yeah, good call. Um, but we don't need to do that until January anyway. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.